welcome to the PR Resolution Podcast. I'm your host, Stella Bales. For any new listeners who don't know what to expect, in each episode, I interview an expert on an emerging area of public relations. I get to the facts, but I leave out the jargon. It's a podcast about marketing, but it's in plain language. No, really, it is. (laughs) Welcome back to all of my regular listeners too. If any of you have any comments or questions, just tweet me at Stella Bales. And don't forget to subscribe on Spotify and on iTunes, whatever you listen on at the end of the episode. Enjoy. Hello, welcome to the PR Resolution Podcast. Today I am joined by Dan Flanagan. Hi, Dan. Hello, Stella. Thank you very much for having me. No worries. Pleased to have you. So I really wanted to speak to Dan because we noticed, well, comes with the, the territory of working coverage book we see a lot of PR reports but one really stood out to us recently which is Dad LaSalle's which is a PR report with a difference we're going to go into it a little bit more but the reason why it really struck us is because we saw the normal PR metrics at the top but alongside really powerful social change metrics and human stories and it's not often you see a PR report with those kind of results all next to each other at the top. So we'll come back to the, to the report itself mm-hmm. later on. But let's dig into what Dad LaSalle is. Who is Dan? <laughs> so Dan, it's a not, Dad LaSalle is a non-profit social enterprise, right? That's great. We are, our legal format is a community interest company. We were set up about five years ago now, 2017, on the 9th of November, looking at my board. We exist to orchestrate a revolution in the way that the stories and struggles of the six million dads in the UK are seen, heard and supported. So we're a bit of a Trojan horse approach to men's mental health. We do a series of very kick-ass events. It's publishing, it's apparel. So you get to hang out with us, you get to read about us, you get to watch us and you get to wear us. So it's a, a 360 approach to just getting men to have some really important conversations. Okay, so it's really focused on the mental health, specifically for dads, yeah? Yeah, primarily. It, that's not how it started, you know. Okay, was, how did it start? I got bored. <laughs> I was a dad and I got fed up with going to the park on my own or going to soft play on my own or going to mother and baby groups and being looked at as a weirdo because I wanted a hands-on relationship with my then very young son. So, And also I got yeah, I was, my background was PR, so I was commuting a lot up to the city when people used to do that, and I'd get home very late at night. If I was lucky, I'd put my son to bed. More nightly, I probably didn't, and then I was still focusing on work, and I just realised that's just not a very healthy way to be, and, you know, a few other life changes happened, a few other things came up, and sort of one day, I just got fed up, so I stuck a, a flag in the ground. And, you know, if you remember as your kid, if you want some friends, you'd walk around the park and go, who wants to play football? Come <laughs> join me. You can't really do that as a middle-aged man. Well, you can, but you just yeah. straight up. But, yeah, I put a flag in the ground and just said, does anybody want a play date? And we had 14 dads turn up, 20 kids. They run riot. We had DJ battles, beatbox battles. And what I realised there was these dads were strangers, but there were no mobile phones. They were yeah. just having conversations. And I thought, well, I'm onto something here. I don't know actually what it is, but it's something. It's it's sort of grown from that. So we've got about two and a half thousand members now across eight different countries. So 14 to two and a half thousands. Yeah. 
That's a big football match, two and a half thousand. <laughs> it, 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 it kind of would be, but it'd be really interesting because there's it's a really nice mix of different people, very different demographics, you know. So a lot of people say when we say sort of dad focused, they imagine that we dress up as superheroes and go and shout mm. at Big Ben. But we're really not. We have gay dads, foster carers, dads that are happily married, dads that are co-parenting. And it's just basically, it's, it's a big community for men to come along, have some fun, maybe try some new experiences, but ultimately gain some friendship because the the older we get, our, our social bubbles get smaller. So, and especially now, yeah, our friends tend to be on Facebook or somewhere else. You don't really have a community to put your hand up and go, you know, I'm really struggling, I need some help. Mm. So, yeah, that that's, that's, one, that's one of the metrics that, I shouldn't call it metrics, that seems really impossible, <laughs> but yeah. at the top of the report, it was, that was something that struck us, is that you really are making a difference with loneliness amongst the people in your in your network. So that's quite fundamental. It's the, unfortunately, there's, I think it's 84 men under the age of 45 are being lost to suicide every single week in the UK, hmm. which is... It's horrifying when you, when you think about it. And when I read those stats a couple of years, I thought, that's me. That That's so many people in my, my my network. And not all of them are dads, obviously, but it's primarily that these men's are really struggling because they don't have an outlet to talk. They won't go to maybe traditional pathways, you know, go and sit in a church hall in a circle and put their hand up, unless they're at a point of crisis. Where we come in is maybe two or three steps behind yeah. that. Yeah. So when did it go from that sort of those early meetups to then it being a sort of social enterprise and, and really thinking about funding and? Pretty early. Well, just in a sort of just before I started Dad Soul, I started putting on afternoon raves for young families called Top Rocking Beats. Brilliant. So that was the idea to, I got fed up of not having a social life and the place I'd moved, which is Worthing on the South Coast, is a bit of a sleepy old town, but it's got some beautiful old theatres. So I just had the idea. I hired out one of these spaces, brought in some mates that were DJ, put some activities on and thought we can all have a massive rave, but we just do it in the afternoon before bath and bedtime. First one, 450 people turned up. Next one, I think it was 1,200 people. <laughs> and it, it, we ended up doing 30 of these and summer festival. It was crazy, but there was a, a particular moment, I think it was on the first New Year's Eve party that we had, somebody approached me and said, this is the most franchisable idea I've ever seen. You're going to be loaded. And I was like, I don't want that. Obviously, I want to be loaded. That's great. But there's something, I don't say evangelical, but there's something special and there's something pure here. So I looked into the the world of sort of the non-profit and the purpose-driven economy, where you're doing something for to help a social change as opposed to just putting some cash in the pockets of some very rich directors. Yeah. Good. Good decision. So going down, so you... Tell my are... bank manager that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so how are you funded then? How do you go about connecting with the networks, putting on these events? It's a mixture. So primarily it is from charitable funding. So we've got some very good relationships with people like the National Lottery, Comic Relief, Arts Council, they tend to be on a project by project basis. So they would give you, you know, 10 grand to do 10 events in a particular area. We also have some 
key partnerships. So we work with a couple of social housing providers to put on our activities for their networks. We've done some quite interesting brand partnerships. There was a brand that contacted me as a dad influencer, which I hate that term, to do a review of some of their activities. Oh, it was a Batman mirror. It was, I remember Batman mirror. And I thought, I can't write an article about Batman mirror. It's boring. So I phoned them up and I just said, you're wasting all your time and effort reaching out to these influencers to get them to talk about your product. Give me the budget and I'll create something. So I actually created a dad's play date where we brought loads of dad journalists down on this magic mystery tour. And then we, we unboxed 450 of their products. So yeah, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's kind of a mixture. We want to be more self-funded because charitable funding, especially in this day and age, is particularly hard to get hold of. Mm. There's about, but this is where having a, a really lovely coverage book report <laughs> helps because it makes us stand out. I didn't ask you to do that plug. <laughs> Absolutely not. There was no exchange of cash. I mean, let's get to the report though, because that is why yeah. we are talking. It is something yeah. that stood out to us when we see PR reports. They, are, they, they do vary. You know, there's some big global campaigns that we see. There's some local campaigns, but it was the real mix of, it looked different. There was different content for different types of people it obviously wasn't created to be sent to a PR director or even just a marketing director for for that for that note and and that's what we normally see with the coverage reports so so who you said it's really important to have your results in one place yeah. why who's it going to it's interesting to know how it's helping you guys yeah it is kind of a mixture so traditionally all sort of charities and non-profits, you, know, you do your annual report as a normal business would, or you have to do sort of project reports. So we put on X amount of events, X amount of people turned up, this is what they thought. I needed something different. You know, I, I tried it on PowerPoint and then I built a microsite and I thought I'm overcomplicating it. And I think I remember telling you, strangely enough, I was in a, a hot yoga session <laughs> trying to zoom out and I was thinking how can I sort this out how can I sort that and it just came to this like coverage book which I was I was kind of aware of you guys from a, my previous life and I thought can it work hmm, can I go back a step so what yeah. what would normally go into one of these social impact reports because everybody listening is quite familiar yeah, with yeah, a PR yeah. report but not everyone would be creating something like that so who are they normally for and what's normally needed? Probably the, there's a range of different stakeholders. So primarily it's the people that fund you. Okay. And then you've got different stakeholders. So you've got your directors, you've got your volunteer, you've got your community, you've got your community partners. So they all want maybe something different. Normally speaking, you'd only really do a report for the funders. Right. You know, unless you have a, a ton of resource available, which most charities and nonprofits don't. So being able to capture all of it, it a it can you know release some funding from you know comic relief to do some more work, but it also maybe give one of our volunteers that does a really you know small part of the story a vision that this is what you're part of. This is so much bigger than you turning up two hours early to set the chairs up at one of our events, which is incredibly important, but don't see it like that see it like this as a almost we're a, a local sort of UK charity but our impact is being felt globally that's what you're part of that's the important thing here yeah okay so 
yeah, so you, it's important for you to be, yeah, connecting with potential new funders, new volunteers. New um, partners, um, new, you know, potentially brand partners, for okay. example. But there, there's so many stories. See, the end, with social impact, right, it tends to be quite data-driven, which I know the metrics need to be there. But the metrics... Well, we, we noticed those metrics at the top of yours because it's like yeah. a human story, but then there was a big block of so many custom metrics that you'd included it really yeah. got everyone's attention but we have to do a, like a, a benchmark report so for every event it will go simple thing how lonely are you at the start of it at the end did, did you make some friends and that sounds like a very daft thing but actually by giving somebody the space to have a, an open conversation about something they're struggling with put them in a space where maybe they can make a friendship that can have a huge impact mm. on their mental health on the their community on their family so we need to show that every intervention as it is whether or not that's a blog post one of our live broadcasts one of our events a change happens and yeah. this is what it's about so it's not the, the data's there but this really is about the human story so that's where we need to we need to build on it and give a, you know a platform for those stories to be shared because you might see some great metrics and you go oh that that's kind of nice but you hear one of the changes that is had on one of those stats, they go, wow, yeah. that's your money shot. I think that was what got my attention, especially was that really nice balance between here's the metrics to really back up the success, but then also here's the emotional story of how you really are changing lives. Mm-hmm. I think there's a lot, no matter what sector you're in, there's a lot to be learned there of that balance there's so much talk about metrics in in PR measurement but sometimes we lose that the stories as well I've got a question still on funding when yeah. you are funded by say comic relief for example are you mm. required to report back on that funding it's a fundamental part of the contract yeah so they you put in a bid and you actually you have to itemize every pound penny where it's going to go and then you have to keep a very tight rein on that there is a thing called core funding, which is sometimes, you know, that's the golden egg where they'll give you a lot of cash to go and maybe pay some salaries or do some R&D with. That's particularly hard to get hold of. They'll give you project things. So you think they want to see an outcome. So that outcome is we're going to go and build a slide in a kid's playground. That's something tangible. OK, that's easy to do. The less sort of intangible things, that can be a challenge. Mm. So we've mentioned that in your report, it was a real mix of the PR results and the impact that you're having with the network of dads that, you, that yeah. you're reaching out to. So we can take from that that you think PR is is important to, to Dadless Soul. Fundamental. Absolutely. Yeah. Fun. It's a story. It's a story of how a, you know, even further, you know, I was... In the 70s and 80s, my, my parents split up and my, my dad got custody of my, me and my three sisters, which was wholly unusual back then. So I saw the abject lack of support that he had. And then, you know, 30, 40 years later, as a, a dad myself, I was really struggling and there, there was no support there either. So I know, you know, things desperately need to change, don't they? Mm, completely. So mm. what, how have you been trying to get that that story and the story of dad soul out through through pr through there's been thought pieces we've been quite fortunate 
we've been featured in the Guardian. We had Radio 4 down. They were doing a feature on the, the future of fatherhood. One of our guys wrote something on LinkedIn that went viral and that ended up being picked up in I think Canada, New Zealand, the States, and the Daily Mail. And it is actually there was one when I was thinking about this a little bit earlier, one thing that was Pran Huff Post came and did a documentary about us about three years ago. And that got shown on HuffPost Australia. And I got an email, right? Guy, he said, it's, it's three o'clock in the morning over here. I've just seen your film. It's like a light bulb moment. You could be telling my story. And then we set up and then we set up like a, a Zoom call. And I think, you're right, we're based in a very small town in the, the south coast of England. Our story is having an effect on somebody the other side of the planet to the point where he won't just write a comment or share it on social. He'll look for our email address and get in touch and want to talk to me. Mm. I mean, that is, you know, that's so important. And there's the, the brand awareness, the the fact that, you know, one of the mums will spot it and go, oh, that sounds like my, you know, my fella could do with some help or a community partner. It's, it's generally the awareness because we're doing something quite, I'm going to say, Brad, we're doing some quite, quite radical stuff here, right? And it is... You can't look at the same social problems with the same solutions continuously because the system is broken. Mm. Right? You need some radical collaboration. You need some innovation. That's exactly what we do. So the more that we can go and design these products and projects and put them in vastly different audiences and show that we can still have the effect. It doesn't matter if you're a, you know, a millionaire or you're a dad on benefits. You are still having those challenges because, you know, at three o'clock in the morning when your little baby's teething and you're on the night shift, you're trying to something. They don't, you know, because all the baby wants is mum is mum yeah. and you feel like a failure. Doesn't matter how much money you got in the bank. Mm. You know, there's a fundamental sort of golden thread that goes through this. And yeah. the more we tell that story, there's go, yeah, that that's me, as opposed to living this wonderful world that we have maybe on social media, that everything is going right go, you know, I'd kind of like some friends or, you know, I may be having some relationship problems or we have dads who's have children that their gender's being reassigned, mm. you know, or their partner's got cancer. They don't know where to put around and go, or, you know, we've got a couple that their, their partner's going through the menopause. They want to be able to support their partner, but they don't know how. Mm. So they come into us and put around and go, boy, has anybody got some experience this? I don't know what to do. Mm. And I think that's the one of the beautiful things about us. Yeah. So you said that you do events. So, you, but the things you've just talked about there, is yeah. there like an open network where people are contacting each other as well then? We've got, it's not an open network. We've got a, a sort of a public Facebook page, which is predominantly dominated by the mums because we have a lot of mums that support us. They really want mumless soul because all of their events are rubbish. <laughs> we've got a private Facebook group. We've got a private WhatsApp group, which is, it gives the dads a chance to actually vent. Or maybe just share a terrible meme or a terrible dad joke, which we're really good at. Sometimes it can just be, you know, they they are struggling and they don't have the the traditional support network to go, you know, I don't understand this. Or, you know, we've got dads that have their, their children have quite severe sort of additional needs and they they they're really struggling. Mm. But again, where do they turn to? Because there mm. is not the traditional pathways, they're normally targeted towards mums. Yeah, because mums are the carer, and obviously we don't count. Which there's six million dads in the UK, plus your stepdads, plus your, you know, your grandparents, stuff like that. 
it's a huge problem here that mm. isn't being addressed. What other kind of impact have you seen from the PR that you've got for Dad Basel? There's been a huge range. There's been, you know, there's numerous other stories of people getting in touch. I've had dads in Berlin, dads in Northern Ireland. We, you know, we Czech Republic, but it's also it's created more PR. Or, you know, I think about a month and a half ago, I was invited to Parliament for the Working Dads Awards because there's an all-party parliamentary committee on the future of fatherhood, and we get name-checked. We're getting name-checked by the Department of Media, Sport and Culture for our innovation. So the more stories, the stories that we generate can be told, because it's not just my story. You know, it's a story of so many other men that have kind of been overlooked Mm. and everybody you know whether you're, not, you're a co-parent there'll be a community of co-parents that will buy into that so we're kind of you know we've done our 10,000 hours we're experts in this field so we've had uh, yeah Radio 4 the World Service featured in a couple of books you know it's our impact outside of just putting bums on seats at an event so yeah. the PR thing is, is credibility as well because suddenly if you see you know we're being name checked by the Beeb or the Guardian or something. They're very respected titles. Yeah. Yeah, that's so nice. You, it's very nice, very good titles. A lot Especially of the, if they put a link in there as well. Oh, yes. Yeah, so the, they're obviously the, the amazing PR pieces on some really, really influential media. So driving more awareness, getting more people to the events. And, and and building more connections. With all of this in mind, do you, are you setting sort of objectives or targets with PR? Just no, I in... really wish we would have the resources <laughs> for me to have a moment to consider that. No, it's, it's the bottom line. In a perfect world, I think we would, because I think there's some titles that we would like to develop better relationships with. And especially as we grow as an organisation, you know, we, we've got certain locations mapped out. So to be able to say build relationships with the media in those areas, yeah, that would be yeah. good. But no, it's if the opportunity comes along, you know, kind of fortunately, a lot of the stuff that we do is incoming. Yeah. Yeah, because they've spotted HuffPost or Guardian or Beeb or something like that. They know that we are a credible organisation that knows what we're talking about. So I guess it's been really helpful in the- Going back to your report readers, the, the the funders, potential partners, it's that that kind of PR is adding credibility there. Do you get comments on that from from those different report readers? That there was there's a definite a definite wow factor as well because you know a lot of as I mentioned earlier, a lot of reports are in like a PDF format. And there'll be a couple of maybe photographs of the project, or maybe if they're good at a video, but actually with coverage book we've got all our highlights there bang 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 oh do you realize that you know, this is a piece from austin texas or this is a piece in canada or this means how the hell does a small organization in a sleepy town in the south coast build relationships like that and it's by doing really innovative work mm. yeah. So, yeah and putting it into one place so i say one place going back to the report you do just keep adding to your one sort of solid report don't you do you don't tend to change it for those different audiences am I right no that's right a traditional sort of funding report would be quite a clinical word document anyway they're they're not set up for anything like this for me I think when I started on this process I knew we needed a funding or an impact report 
and the, the work I'd done from my, sorry, my my other role, I've seen what was out there and I wanted to create something very different because this is about the human story. Okay. So Bob, to put it together, it's, I can tell the, the human story and those, those change metrics. So how many people are less lonely, how many volunteer hours that we have or how many volunteers we've got. But then the fact that, you know, you guys have got the tech where we can go and get the readership stats of all of these lovely titles. Suddenly there's a 2 million figure on there and stuff like that. It's like, I never would have had the, the insights of how to do that. But the fact is it's done automatically. Mm. Yes, please. Thank you very much. <laughs> and I guess uh, you said earlier about that you wish that you had more resource to be able to set targets and things. I guess having part of that as automated helps in that area. It's a godsend. And at, from a resource point of view, I think one side, because I, as mentioned, I had tried different formats uh, and I kept breaking them. And the poor chap that does our designer, I think I led him to some level of breakdown where I was changing my mind. But once we got hold of coverage book and I thought, oh, that does that and that does that. And I wonder, can I do that? And I had a, yeah, I just had a little hack. Yeah. Like, oh, yes, please. Yeah. yeah, well, I'll share a link to this report, if you don't mind, Dan, yeah. with, with, with this podcast, because... It is an interesting one. Everyone, people who are listening who use Coverage Book might think, well, I know Coverage Book, I know all the formats are the same, but it does look really different. And one of the big things that is quite different is that you use a video sort of quite near near the top as well. So do you feel that that has been quite an important part to use video in, in, the, Absolutely. in the report? Uh, we, you know, we're covering all different media. You know, we've got the, we've got the, the press coverage. We've got the the radio interviews and the, the podcasts and stuff, but video, especially when it's connected to the human story and the emotion, that is fundamental, absolutely fundamental. So it could be an interview that I've done. It could be a snapshot of the effect that it's had on one of the volunteers or some of our community, or you know, just showing what our events look like. So, okay, we're a dad's group. Oh, yeah, so you'd probably hire at a church or drink weak orange squash and have some secondhand soft play, don't you? No, you know, we'll take over woods and do Nerf Wars. We'll bring in top rated stand up comedians. We'll have DJ workshops and be able to to put that all in, you know, a minute and a half pitch. Because that's exactly what it is. It's a pitch. I always am interested in sort of the wider measurement of PR. And you've talked about the PR being included in the report and some of the it being useful for the metrics to be automated. We've also talked about the personal stories and also a survey that you do at the events. Yeah. Is there is part of this three-year plan? Do you think there'll be a way to sort of tie in all of those metrics together to see if there's any correlation or <laughs> uh, <that would laughs> something be, along those definitely. lines? Yeah, part of that would be to have a, a sort of a fundamental and very comprehensive impact report. So we can do the, the visuals and the filming but we're doing some work now with Worthing Borough Council as well in their, their mental health team. So they've been come down to work with us because there's a big thing around men's mental and physical health, especially with middle-aged men that won't maybe have traditional pathways. So they've got big government targets to fit. So working with us, we can measure how many events they've gone to, what their happiness level is, 
you know, is there been any impact in potentially their employment skills where they've met a new network, they've made some new friends? Yeah. That so you know, coming to Dadler Soul, I think the figures are a it's about fourteen hundred pounds per person is estimated on mental health support in the UK, which is a tiny amount, but when you put it across the you know the population, it's huge. It's a lot. That's yeah. Just, yeah. There's a the the level of social prescription. So rather than you know you having some issues and going to the GP and getting a bottle of jollop, which would then cost the NHS fifty pounds per week, going to come to a you know socially interactive event. Your happiness goes, your interaction, you won't need that bottle of jollop. So actually we're saving the NHS potentially yeah. thousands of pounds. And that person is happier, healthier. They're, there's more community cohesion mm. because they're involved in it. You know, there, there's some, to be able to, I suppose, get all that data together. Yeah. That makes a very, very compelling argument to yeah. give us more money, please. Yeah, for sure. So how are you going to achieve all of that then? What what does the future hold for Dadler Soul? Well, <laughs> we can't uh, wait to the, see the report in three years' time. <laughs> yeah, the, the million-dollar question. There are. It's a shame, actually, because I'm turning down more opportunities that we can cope with just for a, a time and resource point of view. But we've, we've done some quite interesting projects with St Martin's College of Art. They did a, a really interesting project around ethical pornography, right? because pornography exists obviously and but unfortunately the stats where there's seven or eight year olds getting hold of it on the internet mm. and seeing some pretty devastating stuff we've got to have some honest conversations with our kids so they were trying to help or oh, understand how to work with parents and especially dads to have those honest conversations there's some other sort of quite interesting university work there's a potential product with public health england around the mentoring of young lads that don't have maybe male role models so we've got this big army of dads and there's this community of you know young people that are caught up in knife crime and county lines and stuff like that and I think there's a really interesting way of maybe marrying marrying those communities together fingers crossed we're going to launch in Brighton in September if the funding comes through I'm just waiting for the decision on that some more work social housing provides Oh, I've started a revolution. I want this to be <laughs> absolutely global. So I know this is an, you know, an international audience. There was one project we did during lockdown, actually. We did the world's first international play date where we had dads in Kenya, the States and Germany and the UK taking part. And it was really interesting because then you had a, like a, a black kid in Chicago talking to a white kid in Glasgow about what lockdown was like for them. Yeah. This stuff doesn't exist and it yeah. needs to do more. So, yeah, it's it, great. You know, so I don't have it's, any it's time. those little tiny little snippets of stories like that. It's, you know, it's amazing to hear the numbers and, and, and why the, the government is having a push here. But then you get those little golden nuggets of stories there. And you think, oh, yeah, that's that's what yeah. it's doing. Somebody's going to remember that for years. Yeah. You know, and you've had a part to play in that and that is really special or you know just the dads that are going through some maybe some particularly challenging times mm. they know they've automatically got a support network there that people that they can trust I think is really interesting because what I've seen is the problems that we have in the UK are very very similar to the dads in the yeah. US or yeah. kind of wherever and it is that it's that brotherhood that's needed yeah, for sure. I can't wait to see where it goes. It just feels like you're just connecting with so many different types of people, helping so many different types of of men. And 
yeah, it's going to be really, really interesting to see it grow. And so I can see this report adapting and changing. Over uh, you, you want to do a grand reveal at the end, don't you? Just <laughs> yeah, no, I will, I will include the link. Dan, for yeah. people who do want to connect with you, how can listeners find you? So the website is www.dadlasoul.com. So D-A-D-L-A-S-O-U-L.com. Um, Dadlasoul on Twitter, Insta, YouTube. Connect, connect away. Dan, thank you so much. You could probably carry on talking like we do normally. But yeah, it's great to have you on the podcast and good luck with everything. Can't wait to see how it all goes. Well, thank you for your time and giving us a chance to, you know, share a story to a very different audience. And maybe I know this is our, you know, PR industry people, but, you know, there might be some men that are listening going, you know what? I might just need this on a humanistic level. Yes. Connect. All right. Thanks, Dan. See ya. Okay. Cheers. Bye-bye. That was the PR Resolution Podcast. If you want to learn more about emerging areas of PR, join the PR Resolution and head to blog.coveragebook.com. Stay in touch by following me on Twitter at Stella Bales and make sure you subscribe to the series to get the next episode.